Yes. Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is LaToya Fernandez, and I'm the lead host of No Sleep, Vision, Purpose, and Advocacy, a platform for millennials to address misconceptions and to have an open dialogue about the things that make our lives so millennial. I'm joined tonight with my three co-hosts. Um, we're welcoming back Sam and Kylie. We're really excited to have them back on the air tonight, and especially because we want to make sure we keep the conversation diverse. And, of course, we have our new co-host who just came in, but he's already a veteran because he's just been hitting heavy and really dropping some knowledge. Malcolm, excited to have you again tonight. Um, and so, Tonight, we're actually going to be talking about millennials on finance. Now, this is a topic that we wanted to cover before, but last week we had our July 4th uh, Independence Day special, so it was really important to acknowledge that. It was a great show. I want to thank everybody that called. Um, it was just a really, really um, deep and vibrant conversation. Um, and tonight we get to talk about something that some folks might not feel as positive about, which is finance and, and the finances of millennials and just kind of what society thinks about us and how we handle our finances and what we think about it ourselves. Um, and I'll, I'll kick it off by talking a bit about my own personal experience with finance and, and my own perspective on it. Now, I think that, yes, it is 100% true that millennials are struggling financially, but I don't think it's something that, that's our fault. We've been accused of not being mindful, not being aware, not being educated, not seeking the resources that we need to make sure we are financially literate. We're, we've been accused of being spontaneous and too much of, uh, too much uh, risk takers because we're, tra you know, we're spending our money traveling and doing things like that. Um, but I really feel like it's not – the fact that we are being reckless with our money intentionally and not wanting to have access to the American dream, as I said, financially, I think that that dream has changed. Um, and I think that a lot of the reasons why millennials struggle financially is because going back to school, financial literacy was not something that was taught. And again, like I said before, I'll always bring it back to education because I believe it all starts and ends in the schools. And I feel like financial literacy is not something that's offered to every student. Um, I feel like it is something that you can learn a bit about when you go into high school and certainly college, um, but I, I don't feel like it's something that's pushed in elementary school, middle school, and it's really interesting because there has been a push um, for financial literacy to be available to students, especially students that come from marginalized communities, and um, Congress even has Financial Literacy Month that's in April. But And what happens during that time is that a lot of these schools that are in um, disenfranchised communities, they are focusing on financial literacy just for that month and doing some activities. And I just don't think a month is enough to teach students um, in communities about how, how to be aware um, when it comes to their finances. Um, and I think that there, because of that lack of, that lack of financial literacy, we are having trouble managing our personal finances. We are having trouble with debt. Um, we, we aren't as savvy uh, with the stock market. And I'm not speaking for all millennials because I do have a couple of millennial friends that are really educated in the stock market and understand how to use it um, and are, are really great with money and are, are great at saving money. But I, I think that the majority of us do struggle with it because we weren't 
we weren't educated on our finances and the importance of playing the long game when it comes to our finances. We were taught to be spontaneous. We were told to go to college and pick the college of your choice. Don't worry about money. Um, and we were told to go and chase our dreams and, like, you know, and, and do that. And that's how we'll make our imprint on the world. And we did those things. And so I think, you know, we just didn't get that financial literacy piece, and that's kind of where we have that line today. I'm going to go ahead and open it up for the other co-hosts to, to talk about where they're at um, in terms of the fi- millennials on finance or financial literacy. Well, if nobody want to wanna, uh, pick up after that, you know, I definitely will because um, okay. I'm in agreement with you, Latoya. Uh, this is Malcolm, by the way. Peace, everybody. Um, uh, I'm in agreement with you in respect to financial literacy, uh, starting with education. Uh, I have we have to understand that <clears throat> this uh, the system that we the system that we in are, fails to educate you know the masses in this area, and my think my thinking is that. The reason, the way that the country was built up was through uh, enslavement of individuals that they did not have to pay. You understand? They did not have to, they did not have to give them one dime, and that was free labor. Now, that, that type of uh, enslavement uh, doesn't exist uh, here directly in this country as it once did before, but now a new type of enslavement has been created through this dollar. And uh, individuals have accumulated, and you spoke, you, you touched on it, debt. Debt, people are enslaved to uh, owing money back to banks, owing money to colleges or private loan companies for the rest of their life. And being educated on this information uh, over the course of uh, 12 years in school would be beneficial and essential for individuals not only to uh, know how to remove themselves from uh, this enslavement and this death, but also not even allow themselves to be put in that position to be uh, in debt, you know? So I think, uh, the reason that we find people, you know, not understanding how to be uh, able to manage themselves when it comes to finances, I believe is done uh, systematically, just like a lot of things in this country. Yeah, so uh, I guess I can go ahead and hop in on top of that. So I wouldn't argue uh, at all that the current problem with millennials and finances is necessarily systematic. Um it's interesting because I was just – what is it? Student debt now is over $1.3 trillion, which I know is a huge problem. Um, but I'm interested in to hear what you guys think because when it comes to, say, teaching financial literacy, if this is a problem just with millennials, my question would be why is that and why would a class, say, solve that problem? Because our parents didn't need a class, Right. Um, or did they? I mean, to my knowledge, there was no finance, personal finance class when my parents were growing up. It's just they learned on their own or through their own parents. Well, what I do think is you've kind of lost um, maybe a return on investment 
in what's now the modern-day college education, right? And I think that's kind of twofold. I think, one, um, unfortunately for us millennials, a lot of majors today aren't exactly useful in the workforce, right? So if you're going to major in humanities and you decide to rack up a ton of debt knowing that your job is going to give you $30,000, $35,000 a year, Right, I think that's a choice you make, and uh, of course, if you're following that passion, hopefully that's something you're aware of. But then on the flip side, right, uh, and I'm a younger millennial, so I know the the Great Recession affected older millennials a lot more than it would have me. But I know we also did; we had the recession, right? And so you had millennials who had just gone into college, and they've been told, even if it was something like computer science, right. They went, they spent the money, which was supposed to be their investment. They come out of college, and now the economy is terrible, right? Um, and luckily, it's, it's been picking up more and more, but um, – and I could get into some of the economics of how long-term unemployment um, severely harms people, but I think a college education today just isn't what it was uh, when our parents were growing up. It's also, of course, it's a lot more expensive now, uh, especially when adjusted for inflation. Um, so it's like, I see that on the systematic side, um, and I think there's multiple causes for that. Like just a quick fact, out of the $1.3 trillion of student debt, about half of that isn't related to education expenses. It's related to living expenses. So it's actually wow. related to – yeah, isn't that crazy? So it's actually – it's not the college necessarily – it's that, and we all, I'm sure, know of people, if we haven't done this ourselves, you go to college and you say, I can't take five classes in work, right? And so then you're using your student loans for rent, for food, and that's where a lot of the cost comes from. Um, and I know myself personally, I worked my way through college. I worked sometimes 20, 20 to 40 hours a week while taking a full, full-time course load. It's not something I'm advertising that was not fun at all. Right. But I mean, some people do. I, I, I have friends who said, I just want to live the college experience. And they just wanted to do that. They just wanted to get their degree. They didn't want to work. Uh, and now they're struggling with a lot more debt than I have. Right. So um, whether a personal finance class would solve that, um, I'm not entirely sure. That doesn't mean it would be useless. But I'm wondering if that's necessarily the cause of the problem to begin with. No. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, like, just when I think about, I'm sorry, Tyler. I just wanted to respond to you real quick, Sam. I think um, I hear what you're saying, and I think when I think about a class uh, in a class setting, I just think making math um, strategy more applicable to, I guess, real world situations. Now that I think about what you're saying, because you're right. Will one class help? No, but I think maybe making the content more applicable to, you know, what, what they're going to deal with or what we're going to deal with when we when we leave the classroom. I think that's a really good point. And I think everybody so far has had very valid and good points when it comes to it because it is a pretty serious issue. Um, I think that it definitely does start with education. And if we could change the content, like you said earlier, um, and have students maybe, um, you know, if they have a finance class or something, maybe make them understand um, interest percentages and things like that associated with credit card debt because I know a lot of millennials, our parents maybe didn't have a lot of credit cards. I know 
my dad got his first credit card maybe three years ago. <laughs> so that wasn't really necessarily something that our parents had grown up with. Um, so we have this, we can get it right now and pay for it later, which is true, but we're not really educated on, okay, well, it's going to take me however long to pay this off. And on top of this interest percentage, I'm going to be paying on this forever. And at the end of it, I might be paying two or three times the amount of my initial purchase. So I think that with education, we really should be tying in real-life situations and things that will help people in the future. And I know that things have changed for millennials versus, you know, earlier generations. I know banking industry has changed. I know my parents could take, you know, what little bit of money they had or whatnot, and they could put it in a CD for nine months and not touch it, and they could make 9 10% on it. That's a thing of the past. I mean, right now you have to have $10,000 to make 0.9%. We just can't come across money that easily anymore. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just in, in that way that things have really changed. And I think that it's really important to educate younger people, especially we haven't even touched on student loans. Um, but I think that there's this misconception because people will say, oh, well, financial aid is paying for this. Well, no, it's not. I mean, you got to pay them back. That's you. <laughs> yeah, and if you get a grant, you know, like a lot of people say, well, I get a Pell Grant and I get my refund check and this, that, and the other. Well, yeah, you do get the Pell Grant, but if you don't finish a certain amount of weeks, even though that was a grant to you, you're still going to have to pay that back if you don't finish. And the government, they're about their money, so they're going to get it. <laughs> and I think, you know, when I was – when I was going to college, I didn't know. I mean, I knew a little bit about it because I was inter- I've always been interested in finance, but I didn't really understand the depth of it until I actually worked in a college setting and financial aid at two different colleges. And I've seen people come in and they have all these misconceptions and don't understand what they're really getting themselves into. So I think obviously we should start it in the school with education. And if people were better educated, then they would be better prepared to make better financial decisions. Mhm. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like I think uh it's interesting too because uh I wanna bring up Malcolm in the beginning you were talking about um you know, earlier earlier in history the free labor and I like that comparison you made to now being a slave to the dollar. Um and that's what I think about Kylie when you talk about student debt. Um, that you, you can say, you know, you get you get that financial aid but then you don't really understand um, the true repercussions behind the aftermath, and you do become a slave to that dollar. And then if you're in a situation where um, you were one of those people that struggled to get a job coming outside of college or, um, or, or a life situation happened when you had to um, work on rehabilitating your loans or they go into default and all that, it just takes a way deeper hole. I mean, I have friends um, that are not even halfway through paying for their debt because they had to, so they wanted to continue going to school and went to graduate school and got law degrees or got their PhD or, or getting their PhDs. And um, that, that hole just, they just keep digging themselves deeper and it, it seems like there's no way out, even if you do have a really good career. <laughs> Yeah, and this is and this is why I describe what I was noticing as systemic because it's not just a problem that we will face we are facing we are facing as millennials. It's a problem that our parents face, their parents have mm-hmm. faced, 
and uh, continue uh, on down the line. And I'm sure if we don't do anything about it now, you know, our kids will face it as well. And that is uh, being uh, a slave to the dollar. And it's a slave to the dollar in the sense of uh, you having to pay someone back money that uh, you borrow with uh, interest or you just uh, someone doing whatever it takes to get the dollar, you know? Right. And right. That, 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 that mentality is even more frightening because what ends would somebody go to get this piece of paper that somebody has deemed more valuable than something else, you know? And when the individual has your basic needs in hand, the way, uh, how you get your food or how you get your water and your shelter, you know, and they say in order for you to get these things, you have to present to me this dollar, you know, people going instantly go into survival mode, you know, going into survival mode to get to do what they can to feed family and that, and that, and therefore, you know, so I think it has, I think it's by design, this country needs this country needs somebody at the bottom in order for it to uh, uh, run it in order for it to run itself and mm-hmm. have people they have they have built uh, this system that way and now has transformed it where those people at the bottom are those ones that are in debt while other ones are living off of the interest of those debts. I think that's a really good point, um, well, and I think that we can take out of it too that we collectively, you know, we already have students, we already have these things. And granted, we signed on the dotted line, it's our debt, you know, whatnot, whatever. But I think at the end of the day, people like us need to keep the dialogue going so we can make things better for the generations after us and make sure they're educated so they don't make the same, the same mistakes that we made. I think that's really important because we always want – something better afterwards and we want what's better for you know if you have children or future children or whoever else we want better for them so it's really important that we get them educated but so i i would say i do disagree once again i guess with some of the systemic part like i get i get what you're saying malcolm but i think like especially with student debt um as far as everything i know it really is it seems to be a millennial problem Right, because our our parents didn't have student debt like we have debt now, right? Um, when they went to college, their return on investment, first of all, college and cost of living was cheaper, right? But then two, when they came out of college, they were very easily to and very easily able to enter the labor force, right, and get jobs. So any debt that they did have, they were able to pay off. Right. So the question is, what have millennials been doing or what's changed around millennials to where we now have this massive amount of student debt specifically? Right. I don't think there necessarily needs to be someone on the bottom to sustain the system. Um, But I do think there has been a a bunch of different factors that have kind of created uh, the current problem that we have with millennials and student loan debt. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, so even having to sign up for student loans myself, it is kind of incredible just thinking back when I first took out a few loans to pay for college, right? Automatically, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with taking out taking out loans to make a future investment on yourself, right? People take out debt 
to leverage their future selves all the time, right? The difference is a lot of times that can pay off, right? Where it gets, I guess, specific is, first of all, what are these people wanting to get out of an education, right? Why are some of these people even getting an education, right? Because some of these people don't even want to go to college. They just feel like it's the thing to do, right? That's why I know um, here in Florida they're really trying to emphasize trade schools now, right? I could be a welder, go through six months a year of school and be making $80,000, right, a year, right? Um, why aren't we – why are we still focusing on maybe a college-based uh, academia and not maybe going more towards the trades or at least telling students, hey, you don't have to go to college, Right, or maybe you should really think about the return on investment that this might bring you. And sometimes I wonder if that, of course, it doesn't really go back to any kind of government or financial system. I wonder how much that ties into just the family, right? Like, what what are parents doing for their kids to help educate their kids, or if there maybe are, are their parents even there doing that, or are the kids kind of going out on their own, you know, and just thinking, oh, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I think that's, to me, that's the scariest thought is that you have kids, mm-hmm. I think, with no guidance. I mean, student counselors, even in college, man, they're only so useful if they're useful at all. And nothing beats having a parent tell you, you know, I I've, I manage finances. You know, I, I raised kids. I had a household, right? You probably might not want to do that or might not want to take out that $5,000 in student loan debt or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, these are great points, Sam, and I'm, we're going to be excited to tackle them when you get back. I had a couple of thoughts as I was listening to you speak. I'm hoping that the things that we, we've all said and, and kind of starting this conversation will bring callers in tonight. We had a lot of great calls last week. We're looking forward to more tonight. Our guest call-in number is 917-889-8078. Please let us know how you're feeling about this topic if you have some input, because at the end of the day, no matter what, we've got to pay Sally Mae. So we need to figure out how as um, future generations is coming up, right? We've got to pay Sally Mae. Future generations, how can we support them? Um, again, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8078. We'll see you back in a couple minutes. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hey, if you have really, really tried to lose weight going from one diet to the next, stop right now and listen to me. Let Jen Han help you. Jen is a food coach and body image expert in her new show, Nutrition Tips with Jen Han, The Effortlessly Easy Path to Weight Loss, is now on the CWR Talk Network. Jen's aim is to dispel all the myths related to dieting, debunk food rules, and bring enjoyment and sanity back to eating. You shouldn't feel guilty about eating the things you enjoy. Jen has lived through the battle of dieting and binging herself for 13 years and has tried every diet plan, every program, and every solution that promised weight loss. Hypnosis, diet pills, cleanses, detoxes, you name it, 
gastritis. It wasn't until she looked at what was underneath the food that she saw any lasting healing. Now Jen teaches others the truth about dieting and how to enjoy eating normally. Listen to Jen's podcast, Nutrition Tips with Jen Han, the effortlessly easy path to weight loss on the CWR Talk Network online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash CWRtalkradio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash CWR Talk Radio and search for Jen Han or go directly to Jen's podcast on our website CWRtalknetwork.com and select Jen's page from the menu bar. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipman Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Well, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to No Sleep, Vision, Purpose, and Advocacy. We're excited to continue our conversation about millennials and finance. I just want to go ahead and take a moment to acknowledge any callers that might be on the line. All right, then. When we do get a caller, um, they're just going to jump right into the conversation, and so we'll make sure that we take appropriate space and room for them. Um, because, Sam, you said some – some pretty um some pretty important stuff and I wanna I wanna address it. I wanna make sure that I also understand what you're what you're saying. Um so I know that like 
you were talking about, uh, because Malcolm had started talking about it being a, a really systemic problem, and you were saying that you disagreed and that no one necessarily needs to be on the bottom. Um, and so I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like, huh, that's really interesting because I think about us as co-hosts and I think about what our different backgrounds might be. And I was thinking, like, I know I've been on the bottom, um, and I know and I know I've also, like, felt that way, that, like, people are benefiting from me being on the bottom, from keeping me here. And I think when Malcolm, and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I can speak for myself, but I want to connect my point to you, when we talk about it being a systemic issue and people not being educated, and then bouncing forward to what you're saying, Sam, with parents, what's happening at home, are parents educating students and whatnot, that... It it does all kind of boil back down to systems that were created to to disenfranchise people. And what's so crazy is I feel like every show we have, we come back to race somehow and, and systems of oppression. And it's just, it's like, wow, you know what? Like this systemic oppression actually impacts every area, every topic we will ever cover on air having to do with misconceptions and millennials and, and um, problems that are happening in social justice issues, there's always going to be systemic oppression or systemic racism in there because I'm like, Dad, my mom wasn't educated on this stuff either. And I think about where she went to school, where she grew up, um, the resources that weren't available to her family, and then one town over in West Hartford, it was just a completely different story, but a completely different community. And so it's just it's really interesting because where systems might not play such a big role in some people's lives and others, it dictates the entire trajectory of their life, including their finances, especially finances. And actually, there was an issue out here. I was meeting with the Black Kitchen Cabinet here in San Jose, and there were some concerns about the police department checking um, checking applicants' credit uh, to determine whether or not they let them in and was, was using that to systemically keep black applicants, uh, black and brown applicants from being able to get uh, accepted into the police force or whatever. So I thought that that was really interesting because I'm like, Dad, they're looking at people's money. They're trying to see, you know, that's kind of private. But if we are talking about systems that, that we're, we're, we're in people aren't being educated on how to deal with their finances, in order to kind of make them um, not able to take the same opportunities or have a harder time having access to those opportunities, and it makes sense. So, I mean, I don't know, that's just my two cents, but I was thinking about that as you were saying that. I'm thinking about systemic, I guess, financial oppression, too. I, if that's even a term, maybe I just made that up. <laughs> but. <laughs> nah, but I told you, listen, I, uh, I'm there with you, and uh Pretty much, uh, you you spoke on definitely uh, some things that I'm trying to get across, and I'm not sure if Sam understands or believes that uh, the system we live in now is, uh, I don't know if he think it is much different than that system that was used during slavery, but I don't see it as being uh, truly uh, a this system being truly away from how what it was designed to do. This system that is ran now is pretty much mirroring what took place during slavery. As I stated before, the system uh, was used for individuals at the bottom to uh, uh, so, uh, support and, and keep up those individuals that are at the top. My example, those individuals that were working fields and different on different plantations, they were working for free labor. Those would be considered the people at the bottom. 
Now, the people that will be benefiting in this in that systemic system will be those individuals that own those lands. Their kids will also be benefiting, even though even though those kids never went out on those fields. They will be the beneficiaries as well because all of the all of the uh, income and and things that their parents would have brought in it will be passed down to them. They will even take that land after the parents passed off. Now that system was the, was uh, designed for somebody for somebody to be at the bottom. And moving forward, nothing really has changed. There still need in order to keep that system moving and flowing. There still needs to be somebody at the bottom, and the individuals that are at the bottom uh, now were are sim are same or similar individuals that are at the bottom uh, uh, in the past, and it is done now, very discreetly and subtly. It is done now because now they want to create the illusion that no, everybody is being educated. But the question is not how is how are they being educated? Yeah, there it is it, very it, and I can understand how you may not be able to see it because it is very uh, uh, blended it's blended in very well. It's an illusion that everything is all right, but it's not. Everything is it, it seems to be fine. You 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 make the statement of yeah man, it's student loans. We, you signed your name. You knew what you was getting into, but no, they don't. They have no idea because their education probably wasn't the same as yours. When you went to sign on that line, you probably looked at that line and said, okay, I know exactly the, about this conscious decision that I'm making. Even my friends say, hey, I just want the college experience. Nah, everybody, everybody don't get that talk. Everybody's not, okay. everybody's not experienced. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you, but I I do have a question. When you take out student loans, you have right. pages and pages of paperwork, and you have a master promissory note that has to be signed by you in order to get the loans dispersed, which tells you how loans are paid back, the different types of payback options for loans, what you would expect to make in order to be able to pay those loans back, and it's a promise to pay. And it's ten or it's actually eleven pages long, and everybody signs it before they get a loan. So at what I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree with you, but at what point do we make people accountable for their actions? Because I could go buy a house that's out of my price range tomorrow, and when my mortgage bill my mortgage comes in the mail, I can say, oh well, I wasn't aware that my mortgage was going to be this much. Well, at what point are we accountable? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that an individual should not be held accountable for their actions. What I am saying is that this system, this systemic system, continues to put people in these positions by miseducating them or not educating them at all. And this so are you referring to con- poor people or people of color? Aren't you in? Aren't you? Ha, aren't you in debt? Yeah, I'm in white, or I'm I am in debt very much so, okay. and I have a lot of student loans, okay. but I take responsibility for them. And I'm it's not, very and, hard. And, 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 and my argument, my argument isn't my argument isn't individuals shouldn't take responsibility. My argument is that there are people at the bottom, systemically, 
supporting and I'm excuse me, being being uh being uh fed on by the people at the top. Mm-hmm. Well, you're told that to do this, and that's why, uh, Sam, you were saying that Florida's making a push for the trade schools, and I think that's smart because, you know, like you said, not everybody wants to go to college, but see, when I, and I know every millennial comes from a different background, and so, you know, yeah, you're right, Kylie, you know, people are accountable for their decisions, and I think, like, what it, what it should have been in terms of the education piece is, like, letting people know their options as well. Because I know what was preached to me about being able to get in a better position or get out of the hood or whatever the case was is you go to college, you get your degree, and you get a good job, and you'll be fine. And, like, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a conversation about what are you actually really into, what are you passionate about, what, you know, maybe you have some other skills you can use, what are you really, you know, and so I think, that just for for me personally, that's where the education piece would come in. Not even um, necessarily like you're you know, you're gonna you're gonna get in debt because you do know when you take those loans out that you are gonna be in debt and you are gonna have to pay. I think it's just the fact that we're told that that's what we need to do. So it's like you need to get yourself in debt in order to be successful, and that's where it's a little rocky for me. No, and I agree with you with that. I know my parents didn't go to college. That was not an option for them. My dad worked for a family business, and he worked for his dad, and he struggled, and we didn't have money. And, we, you know, I didn't grow up with – I mean, I grew up – I had a wonderful life, don't get me wrong, but we we struggled. I didn't know it when I was a kid, but I see it now. And my mom didn't go to college. That wasn't really an option for her. She had to work. So I know when I was growing up, my parents were like – you have to go to college. You have to go to college. This is the only way. We want you to have better than we have. And so when I went, I didn't really understand things, but I should have. I understood it a little bit, but I was like, oh, three, $400 payment. Well, I have a master's degree, so it's about an $800 payment now. So I didn't really yeah. all of that into account. Yeah. Yeah, and I think just to to respond to you, Latoya, and Malcolm. I mean, so I I still disagree. Of course, I don't think it. I don't think there has to be someone at the bottom, and I don't think, um, especially in relation to millennials, what we're seeing. Um, I don't think the student debt issue, as far as I know, as far as my knowledge goes, uh, is based on race at all. Right? I think all millennials, unfortunately, suffer equally across the board, um, as far as the student debt crisis goes. And I think that's why it's become such a prevalent problem. Um, I know it's interesting. Uh, so kind of like you, Kylie, my mom never went to college. She was a stay-at-home mom. And my dad worked doing odd jobs. Uh, so we moved around a lot because he would do things like cleaning carpets or uh, painting houses. So they told me I could go to college, but if I wanted to, right, I'd be on my own. And so that's that's what I had to do, and I had to take out student loans, right? And it's interesting because I – I do, I sympathize because looking back, I mean, okay, I'm only 21, but even looking back at when I went to college at 17, right, signing those promissory notes, right, like you're, especially when you're on your own, right, because my my parents were just kind of like, all right, you go figure it out. We don't know anything in that realm. You're kind of like, all right, it'll it'll work out one way or another, right, or at least you hope, but you, you know it feels right, right, and you feel like you should be getting what's in education, Right, and I'm lucky enough to where I I chose a major right um, in the College of Business that is very applicable to life that could get me a job out of college, earning enough money to eventually pay off the student loans that I have now. Right, mm-hmm. um, 
I can't imagine going to college, getting a film degree, right, paying, and then not being able to get a job, right, and then have all those loans just accruing interest, right? So I think I think it's interesting because I see where you guys are coming from. I don't think um, I don't think you're wrong in the broader sense, right? Because one, I think parents aren't necessarily educated as well, especially poor parents, right? I know there's tons of government programs that help poor and disenfranchised people, right? I know, so I had to pay for my own college, and I actually, even though my parents um, had six kids and were just barely above the poverty line, I didn't earn any scholarships at all, right? I didn't get a Pell Grant. Uh, I got no scholarships. That's why I had to work uh, my way through college, which, like I said, uh, would not recommend. Don't do it if you don't have to. Um, but so my parents didn't know, right? And so that put me into a position where I just had to figure it out, right? Sink or swim, right? And that's not how it's supposed to be because if you look at the generations before us, right, it didn't have to be sink or swim. Uh, one, because the economy was a lot better, I think, right? Um, they didn't have the Great Recession, although that affected our parents, right? I mean, we all saw it affect our parents in some way, shape, or form, I'm sure, when they got out of college, the economy was good, right? So the return on investment was good, right? So if I went back in time and I got a business degree and then I went and got a business degree now, right? If I went back in time, adjusted for inflation, I'd probably be earning more, right? And my upward mobility would be better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because of a whole – and so when you guys talk about being systemic, um, when you say systemic and I say systemic, I, it could be meaning two different things, but I don't think you're necessarily wrong in that. There are um, government institutions that have maybe in some inappropriate ways incentivized certain things. Um, so, for example, the fact that the government subsidizes student loans and that the government gives out these loans so easily, right? So I would make the argument that the government shouldn't be doing that, and I would say they shouldn't be doing that. Because if you went and you realized how expensive this college was and that you couldn't just easily take out a government loan, you might not go to college, right? And so when you see, oh, shoot, I can't pay $10,000 up front right now, okay, what are my other options, right? And so it's interesting because there's been a lot of research on this, but it's actually been research on how the government subsidizing these student loan programs which became popular, of course, because it sounds great that government's getting involved in education, right? But the fact that the government was subsidizing these student loans actually made students think unrealistically that the cost of the education was worth the return on their investment they'd be getting in the future without them realizing, shoot, I could go learn how to code in six months, right, from some freelance college and be making $70,000 at the end of that six months, why do I need a four-year degree? You know, why do I need to waste my time racking up debt? And people don't think about that, I think, um, for multiple reasons, right? Because as you guys all said, we all have our own personal backgrounds. Everything is going to be different. We all want to solve the problem. But I do think um, when money is easy to access and when you're kind of put on your own, right, you don't realize what's going on. Right. And I'm a, like you were saying, Kylie, I'm a huge supporter of personal responsibility. I signed that note. Right. So regardless, even as a 17 year old, I was responsible. Right. So that, that blame is on me. 
right, uh, ultimately. But do I, do I wish there were better circumstances? Of course, right? And I'm owning up to those decisions now to hopefully make things better for me in the future. Right. Thanks, Sam. Um, thank you for sharing. And we are going to go to a couple-minute break again. It's really interesting because I feel like you always close us out on some stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, i got something to say. But um, we're going to take a couple-minute break, and we're going to come back, um, and we're going to close out the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to probably shy away from the student debt, talk a little bit more about millennials on finance, and give some give some suggestions on how we can start mitigating this problem for ourselves and for the generations coming behind us. So we look forward to rejoining you in a couple minutes. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has mom my. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for life empowerment programs like Career Reels with Carolyn. We understand that many of our listeners need career advice to advance their careers to the next level and others need advice on finding a job. We have been blessed with the addition of Ms. Carolyn Owens to our network. Carolyn is the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, which provides career, leadership, and life coaching that moves individuals forward, allowing them to take command of their lives. With over 25 years of proven experience, she is a leading authority on leadership and professional development and has worked with and trained top leaders across the globe. Her show, Career Reels with Carolyn, may be heard the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Career Reels is a show that discusses how you can become the star of your life. Carolyn and her guests will share with you tips and strategies on how you can reach and stay at the top of your game. You'll also hear about hot topics and trends that can make a difference in your career or business. So tune in the second Monday of each month to hear Career Reels live and get hired or take your career to the next level. For more information, 
visit Carolyn's page on our website at cwrtalknetwork.com. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Hey, everyone. We are back on live. Sorry, I thought I was just on, but I actually have myself on mute. I apologize. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm excited to be back to close out the show. It's been a really great conversation. Once again, extremely diverse and lots of different perspectives shared. To close out, though, um, and we're all going to have a little something to say, uh, I do want to address a different topic, and then I also want us to be able to have a moment to offer some advice to folks out there that are struggling with finances or financial literacy and any support we can offer to these generations up and coming. Um, but what's interesting, we were talking a lot about student debt before, um, and, and the idea of systems that keep people down financially um, brought me to thinking about the gender wage gap as well, and that uh, women are also a target in these systems um, where where people aren't getting um, aren't, aren't getting that the financial support they need regarding their salary. Um, and some some and I know actually out here in San Jose, I guess because I can only really speak from my own lens and where I'm at, we actually through the Women's Commission, did have to address this issue in the city because there was a problem uh, in particular with city employees um, with men being offered higher salaries, uh, higher salaries than women and also getting paid higher wages than women for the same position. Um, And also something else that was happening is that women were being offered the same responsibilities, of, uh, the same position as some of those men, but they were calling, they were making the title of the job different so that they could pay women less money. Um, and so there was like a whole study that was done about it and data that was collected and then um, ultimately a policy that was passed to make sure that that wasn't happening within the city anymore. Um, but that that's just kind of a whole nother topic that we can get into. Um, but I do also want to but as a piece of advice to millennials and folks that are up and coming, generations that are up and coming when it comes to your finances, you do have a certain personal responsibility. So getting as much uh, information as possible about how to manage your finances is going to be really helpful. Um, but I think even more importantly, learning how to manage your own personal finances. My two grandparents, um, they weren't, given any sort of financial education, um, and this is on my father's side, my mother's side and my father's side of the family have very different backgrounds regarding education and resources, but my grandparents didn't have that education. But one thing that they always say is pay yourself first, and they said that when they were really poor, they would just say $5 each check, then $10, and as they got older and started making more money, those increments increased, and because of their really strong savings and ability to manage their finances so strongly, they were able to 
have a really financially fruitful life and are often the folks that everyone in the family kind of goes to to ask for that financial support because they've been able to maintain. And they're both currently retired. And I've seen a lot of cases where families have not been able to retire. They're at the retirement age and they're still working. And my grandparents are, are happily retired and, and living off of that, that money that they saved. So personal finances is a, is a really big thing, and that's something that you want to make sure you invest your time and energy into. Yeah, and I guess um, I guess some advice I would give is, especially if you're a parent, don't don't make your kid feel like a failure if they don't want to go to college, right? I mean, times are different, right? So if your kid doesn't want to go to college, maybe that gives you an opportunity to open up the discussion of, okay, what do you want to do, right? Don't don't rush your kid who might not be prepared, who might be nervous and taking on debt. Don't force them to go in, right? Because the world is changing. And then as a kid going to college, you know, just be aware of one of what your options are. But then two, just try to be observant if you do choose college, right? What what could your future job look like? And although you may have a passion for something, will you be able to fulfill that passion, right? Or will you have to have that passion but be in a lot of debt preserving that passion? So just keep an open mind. Yeah, and then the advice that I would like to give is um, I, w- I would say that individuals would need to definitely be educated, like, uh, daily on what exactly it is that uh, they would want to do with their life and how the funds that they make from doing what they're doing will be spent. Or and then also be educated on how they can go about using those funds to accumulate more. So I'm talking about investments because I think that was something that we also missed tonight. Uh, uh, de- de- describing on ways means of individuals to use their money rather than uh, uh, having to pay somebody else money. But how can they use their money to make more? So uh, research and do as much as you can as far as. How would how would you use your money that you're making from the living that you have to uh, make more money? At the end of the day, it's all about education. I guess some advice that I have going forward uh, for millennials is that we actually are blessed in the way that we have this uh, ability to access information so easily. So there are a lot of apps out there, such as Acorn that helps you um, start a saving and start investing. There are other investment apps out there as well. Um, You know, your bank, I don't know if everyone's bank is the same, but I have Bank of America, and every month they give me a pie chart, and they they show me exactly where my spending is. If it's to, you know, bills and utilities, what percent in dollar amount was spent in groceries, food, gas, all of that stuff, and that helps you to budget and kind of see where you are at with your money and you can, you know, come up with a plan to um, get where you want to be financially and kind of be aware of what you're spending money on because sometimes it's really easy to swipe that card um, and not think about the impact it's going to have on your bank account. So definitely there's YouTube videos out there, apps, everything 
and it'll help us be informed and knowledgeable going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with just a couple minutes left in the show, I just want to say uh, thank you all for joining again, offering your perspective. I, I really think that these conversations are necessary. Um, and if there's anything else that anyone wants to say, um, we do have a couple minutes left. So if there's anything you felt like you didn't get to say that you want to say uh, to our audience or to our listeners, uh, go ahead and take that time. Oh, yeah, I'll just quickly say Bank of America doesn't let you buy Bitcoin, so don't use Bank of America. <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> one yeah, they shut my account down for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, yeah, to say a lot of the debt that was talked about tonight on the phone seemed to be focused on co- uh, college or some type of school debt. But mm-hmm. that's, not the only thing. That's, not, that's not even the only thing that's out there that's uh, people, you know, falling in debt. They have these different payday loan businesses and companies uh, similar to it uh, established, most, mostly established around different poor communities because those are the individuals who seem to be in need of money often. And then when they go to these places, they take out these loans, but they're not even aware of these high interest rates, or they are aware of the high interest rates and just too ignorant to understand what exactly they just got themselves into. You know, so right. those types of and those type of businesses and companies you want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Say it again. I was saying it also makes me think about those payday loans. I know earlier um, right. you were talking about the cost the cost of living and housing and how that's a big and um and, you know those payday loans and all those to help you pay your rent when you can't pay it and that crazy interest on those crazy uh, they really crazy. get people. But that's why that's why I described it as that's why I described it as systemic because this is that is no different to me than than past uh 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 ex- situations, you know, of individuals having to um be in need be in need of um excuse me, the higher ups being feeding off of the ones uh, below. They know that individuals aren't educated in this area. They know they need the funds you know, and they provide it to them just to sit back and have them continuously pay them every month, you know, on loan that they can't even afford. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. So we just got to make sure that we we stay educated. And, and, and it just goes to show, though, that finance is such a big issue when it comes to millennials. I mean, we spent pretty much an hour talking about just student debt. But then, just, right. like you said, welcome so many other areas. So it just goes to so show how areas. wide it is. Yeah, we we really have to be uh, we really have to be diligent about getting that information and getting that knowledge and having a deep understanding of how to manage our money and and the kinds of decisions that we can make. Um, but again, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Really excited to uh, have Sam and Kylie back on the air, and we look forward to talking to everyone again next week. Um, and if you ever have any suggestions for and show topics or anything like that, please feel free to check us out uh, on our social media. I know we have a Facebook page. We also have our, our, our call-in number, um, you know, when you call in and you want to ask some questions or you have some input that you want to give. That's also a great time to, to give any suggestions for show topics. Um, and we appreciate all of you. So thank you so much. Um, and we look forward to talking to you all again next week. You're listening to 
the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. <laughs>